Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to the Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell from Hightower Great Lakes. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great today. How about yourself, Eric? I am great as well. It is a wonderful day and it's a wonderful day to be talking with you. I know I'm going to learn something today. Yeah, you're going to learn all about Switzerland, maybe, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's a new one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Learning about Switzerland. Uh, what do I need to know about? Are we talking vacation? Are we talking, what, what's what's up with Switzerland? Well, um, as you know, and you know, we're probably on podcast number 80, pretty close to it, but mm-hmm. I talk a lot about our, you know, I think what is a wealth management formula, fiduciary, you know, process we follow. Um, and as part of the advanced planning that we do, um, we focus a lot on wealth enhancement. And the last uh, few podcasts I focused when, as it relates to wealth enva- wealth enhancement on, you know, exiting your business, really speaking to business owners about mm-hmm. how they should plan for it. And this is what I would call part of my, it's not about the numbers series. You know, I actually just made that up this mm-hmm. morning. So All right. <laughs> sorry I didn't warn you. <laughs> I like it. It's not about the numbers series. It's not about the numbers because, um, the, you know, the last podcast we recorded, you know, we talked about, you know, valuing your business is not rocket science. And, mm-hmm. you know, because I think so many business owners focus on revenue and profits and et cetera. But we talked last time in that podcast about really there's, you know, the, the owner's reasons for exiting, for example, are, are really important in terms of determining the value. You know, are you leaving because you just want to follow a passion? Is there a crisis going on? Mm-hmm. Also, how prepared they are. And then also, you know, how um, how much they've planned with their employees. So all those three non-number you know number things really impact the value. And so today I thought I would also talk about maybe one other item that uh, impacts the value of a business when you're looking to exit, you know, it affects your ability to, you know, enhance your wealth. I, I would say, and that's called the Switzerland discount. And you want to avoid that, Eric. Avoiding the Switzerland discount. Now, okay, I, I need the definition. What is the Switzerland discount? <laughs> okay, so I, first of all, I'll just tell you, I find that most business owners, um, including myself, I, I've been, I was guilty of that for many of this for many years. It's it's a big problem, and here's what it is. So, I don't know. To what extent you probably don't, but study the Swiss, you know. But they're known as not. Be, being <laughs> they're known as being very, very independent. Okay. Um, I think around the world, you know, especially during COVID, uh, people have always considered people in the United States very independent and as cowboys. But historically, the Swiss are even known to be more independent. And you know, just as an example, even when the 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 euro was created, the European Union and the euro the euro currency. You know, they're sandwiched right between France and Germany, yet they they elected not to participate in the euro. They wanted to remain independent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going back, and I don't know if you're a, uh, not a fan of World War II, but if you follow or read and watch movies about the World Wars One and II, um, they never actually sided with any side. You know, they always wanted to, even though they're right there in the middle of the whole thing, they somehow were able to stay independent and you know, out of the fray, I guess. I don't know if they stayed out of the fray, but they didn't side with one side or the other. 
yeah, that that's kind of the reference that I always remember was, uh, you know, I'm Switzerland, I'm neutral, I'm you know, I'm, yeah. I'm in the middle, but I'm not taking sides, and so I, I could definitely see that as part of independence for sure. Yeah, and you know, imagine the balancing act of doing that as, as yeah. a, during those wars, and it's not the same. But you know, we just finished the holidays, and there was certainly times when all my family was over where you have to be Switzerland, you know, yes. you have to be impartial, <laughs> and you want like this, we want this uh, holiday to go well, you know. That's so right. let's not talk about certain topics, right? Politics, mm-hmm. religion, all that stuff. Yep, yep, yep. That's probably a good idea. So, so that's what it is, and really, what we, what I talk to business owners about is. You know, when they're setting up the business, when they're structuring the business, there's really three things you don't want to be over-reliant on. And one is you want to be free of being too reliant on one or two key customers. Mm-hmm. You want to be free of reliance on maybe one or two of your key employees. Uh, sometimes that's yourself as a business owner. And you also want to be free of reliance on, you know, uh, key suppliers so that mm. if, if there's a disruption you know, as we've seen in the last year, um, you know, your, your finances are not totally impacted. Yeah, I know that, uh, and, and I'm sure there's more than one supplier out there, but computer chips, right, it has been a big issue this last year and a half. Vehicle manufacturing, all sorts of manufacturing, there, we, there was such a high demand for computer chips and there was such a low supply um, that that really impacted a lot of businesses across the board. And I think the ones that did better were ones that were able to get supplies from a little bit of supplies from multiple suppliers, they were still able to keep up some of their inventory where, like you said, if there was somebody who was really relying on one supplier and they got hit hard, there's nothing you can do at that point. You're scrambling. Yeah. And I have a great friend and client who is a Mazda, owns a Mazda dealership and you know his, his parking lot's virtually empty because he can't get new cars. Now, fortunately, he's selling used cars, but mm-hmm. um, and you drive by many car dealers for, you know, BMW doesn't matter. They're all impacted by, like you said, by the, the chips. Yep, absolutely. And in my business, we always talk about, well, every business talks about concentration risk. But for example, in my business, you know, we, we always look at uh, the valuation of a, of a financial planning practice of a wealth management firm. Um, we talk about concentration. You don't want to have too many clients representing, you know, one, two, five percent even of your, of your business because if mm. they leave, it impacts, you know, your ability to serve. But also, we always, we look at things like um, age. What's the average age of our client base? And that's one of the reasons why we focus so much on supporting multi-generational, their kids and grandkids, because we want to be a planning firm for the family. And, you know, because as people pass on, or if they retire, they move, you know, you don't want um, them to start looking for other advisors. Mm-hmm. But the other thing, too, is like even when you look at uh, COVID, you know, with key customers, I have clients who are, in the construction industry, and one in particular serves primarily the steel industry. And for a while there, the steel industry was really significantly impacted, and the revenues were impacted. And you know they had to make tough choices about retaining and keeping. Or you mm-hmm. know, I have a trucking company client that um, does a lot of um, shipping, a lot of um, concerts. You know, they basically a concert moves from Chicago yes. to. Yep. LA, you know, they are the truck driving firm that, that ships it all out there. So they were definitely impacted too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have also just a, an odd one. I have a client who's an attorney and I was thinking about him today that he, in Chicago, it's different in every state, uh, different in every region. But in Chicago, if you purchase a, or sell a home, um, you're required to have an attorney on both the buyer and the seller side. In fact, when I moved out of Chicago, 
I, I didn't realize that the rest of the world doesn't do that. But um, this attorney does about almost 800, 900 closings a year. And mm. back in 08, when we had kind of the meltdown, when the housing market crashed, um, I, I asked him, I said, well, what are you doing now? And he said, unfortunately, I'm working on foreclosures. So, yeah. you know, we kind of switched over to the other side. But the point is he, he was completely reliant on, you know, a key customers or key sectors that really impacted him when things went bad. Yeah, and luckily he was able to pivot a little bit. I mean, it, 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 same industry, same kind of genre, but he had to he had to switch to the foreclosure side, and at least he still had some business. Exactly, and so my the key point number one is, you know, be like Switzerland. You know, don't rely on just a few customers, a, a few industries. Try to diversify, because if you do that, you know, a, a potential buyer. First of all, you're going to be impacted when things happen, like COVID. But also, as a buyer looks at your business, they're gonna they're gonna discount that, and they're gonna maybe pay you less just because of that concentration and the reliance on, you know, a couple of key customers. Hmm. Yeah. And then the second one is key employees, and I'll just talk about first of all when I when I typically see this, it's oftentimes the owner itself. Like, and this is what I mentioned earlier. I certainly was guilty of this for a long time. You know, when you start a business, you're growing a business and clients, you know, want things, you just you just give them what they want and you end up doing a lot of that yourself. And so you yeah. create this habit of doing that. And, you know, and all of a sudden you're looking to retire, you're looking to exit, but customers are continually coming to you when things go wrong. Or, you know, when you go on vacation, revenue slows down or you're finding that maybe your revenue, your business is not growing anymore because it's relying on you too much. Um, and mm -hmm. we call that the owner's trap. There, you know, when you have a business that relies too much on the owner um, as the key employee, uh, it, it's going to be harder to sell, and you're not going to get as much when you do sell. And also, you know, you're more at risk because if you are sick, you want to take time off. It it, it just it becomes becomes very difficult. And I could see that also, Tim, with like you said before, key employees. I mean, the owner is can fall into the owner trap. But when you have a great employee that you're relying on and you're compensating well and everything's really good and that, that key employee does a ton of the work, that's great. However, <laughs> the flip side of that coin is what happens if that key employee leaves or if when you're ready to sell a business, key employee is like, eh, I don't know if I want to stick around for a new owner. No, completely. And, you know, I had an example of uh, this about a year and a half ago with the manufacturing client where uh, they were – the, the owner was exiting, and they really relied on the chief operating officer, the technology person. He was really, you know, was in there setting up the manufacturing processes. And what they found with the accountant actually identified that, you know, they were going on a path where um, they were expanding so much, they were investing so much in new equipment that they were actually going on a path towards possibly um, being insolvent, or, you know, they, they didn't, mm. and, and they're doing fine. But they ended up having to... Try, replace this person because the other thing that they found was that he was specifically trying to uh, ensure job security, let's say, <laughs> and make it so mm. that he was the only one who really knew how it all worked. And that's just a, a drastic example. But I have seen that, you know, in the 30 years I've been doing this, I've seen that a dozen times where you just need checks and balances. And when you rely on one person, it just becomes really hard to do that. You need you know, you need to have people take vacations and you need to cross train and things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, Absolutely. That, that happens oftentimes with chief financial officers, controllers, where, you know, there's only one person who knows how to pay bills or process payroll. Um, I've also seen it with sales reps, you know, where, 
you have a large percentage of your revenue being generated or new business being generated by maybe one or two people and they decide to leave and all of a sudden there goes a big chunk of your revenue. So the other thing you need to be like Switzerland for is don't rely you know, on just a few key employees. You really need to think about it and, and make sure you're planning for that kind of risk. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then the third one and the final one is really what I call your key suppliers. And this is one that I think a lot of business owners don't think about as much. I mean, the, they might think about concentration risk for customers and they might plan really well to make sure that, you know, all their employees, their team is working together, collaborating, everybody knows what's going on. But I, I have seen examples where you've got these key suppliers and, you know, when a business owner, when a buyer comes in to look at your business, they want to invest in a business that's basically not in danger of being, you know, a supplier risk. We just talked about it, you know, with, with the chips. That's a great mm -hmm. example. And I mentioned, you know, my the client that um, is a car dealer. I had a different car dealer client um, during 08 when the market turned and all of a sudden um, it, it appeared like GM was going to go bankrupt. And the, the government came in and they kind of bailed them out. But as a result, or one of the things that came out of that is they decided to uh, limit the number of dealerships, you know, for each of the brands that they're offering. And eventually they eliminated mm. some brands. And this business owner, this car dealer, had a, had a brand that was Buick that was basically taken away and eventually eliminated. And all of a sudden your business is gone. So, you know, in that case, you know, that's why sometimes you might see when you're driving down the road, you see car dealers that have multiple brands. I think oftentimes mm -hmm. that's typically why they do that, to diversify that risk. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've seen that. And I actually wondered that uh, quite a few years ago. I was like, man, that's, you know, uh, there's a certain name brand, but then it's such and such Dodge, such and such Ford, such and such Chevy. I'm like, man, this is a huge operation. And that's exactly it. You know, you, you just don't know. And, and I, I liked a Buick here and there back in the day, but yeah. I, I know I haven't seen any lately. So, yeah. Yeah. And mm. I have a client that has um, restaurants and they specifically diversify the brands that they are franchising for or the brands that they're creating, you know, just so that, uh, and also geographically, you know, so that they're not stuck in one area, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. where, if, if something goes bad in one, like um, Indianapolis in particular was hard hit by um, COVID because they're very much a sports town, sports in the sense that they have a lot of college, um, high school, it, amateur yeah. things going on. And when that all stopped, the big convention town too, when that all stopped, all the restaurants and hotels got really hard hit. Yeah, I can imagine. It would have been a, a, a huge hit. I mean, just, just people not going out, period. And there's only so much you can deliver to somebody's door. Exactly. And, and so the key, the key thing is not to rely too much on you know a key supplier. Um, I actually was listening to a podcast on the way in and um, went to the office today, and they were just talking about a company that um, had – you know, sometimes you sign up for something and you get these giveaways, right? They they send you these free gifts, these things. Well, oftentimes they're purchased outside the U.S. where they're manufactured. And, mm -hmm. you know, when COVID hit and all of a sudden, you know, the supply chain factors came in or impacted businesses, 100% of their, um, their giveaways were no longer available to give away. And mm. uh, that was a really big part of their marketing, really big part of attracting, you know, new customers. So... I mean, they just had to immediately figure out how to replace that because they were relying, they realized, you know, just on one key supplier and it just got, uh, you know, it was too risky, I guess. Yeah. 
So what we talk to clients about is, you know, if you're too dependent on one supplier, you know, we have a process that we follow where we kind of look at that for them and we have strategies. And one of the, you know, a couple of the strategies are, you know, step back and, and try to invest in customer relationships, for example. You know, if your customer thinks of themselves as buying from, from you, like for example, this car dealer, you know, his name is on the dealership. Um, so was Buick, you know, my other client who is Mazda, but really to a great extent, his name is what's in, what's out there in the community. He's the one sponsoring events, sponsoring the Boys and Girls Club, the local community, things like that. Mm-hmm, so he's investing mm-hmm. in customer relationships so that he was able to pivot to another brand, you know, when, when Buick was gone. And that really allowed them because they, they always knew that he, his family name, his, you know, he was the one that they were really connected with. Um, now, obviously, mm-hmm. some people are disappointed that there's no Buicks, but um, he was able to survive and actually do much better long term because he was able to invest in the relationships, you know, in his community with the customers who buy cars from him. Yeah. And then the other one, too, is, you know, we just talked about it with car dealers, you know, consider investing in and cultivating relationships with alternative suppliers. You know, even if it uh, is less expensive now, it'll be much better for you in the long run. And then really, you know, always conti- or continually look at your suppliers um, and make sure that you have a diverse uh, number of them um, so that you can maybe um, protect yourself from this risk. Yeah. And, and I, I think about this specifically uh, with auto parts stores, right? It, I think back in the day, it used to be there was certain key manufacturers for parts and that's what they carried. But I go into, you know, AutoZone, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks. And if you want brake pads, there's... A variety, right? There's probably seven, eight different brands that are in there, different levels, different, different types. Um, and I, I don't think that's just because they want to offer different brands. I think that truly is to, I don't know, hedge their bets, if you will, because right. one manufacturer may slow down or, or go out of business and it's not like you can't provide brake parts. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, interesting. again, I'm a pod, I'm a fan of podcasts, but I listened to one on the way in this morning with the, by the CEO of Airbnb and he was really mm-hmm. talking about how during COVID, um, I, I also have clients who own hotels and how they, the hotel owners that have the brick and mortar were so impacted. And they, he just talked, a little, the Airbnb CEO talked a little bit about how they just very much on a dime quickly reevaluated you know, their business model and restructured their company. And they, they had to you know, literally let almost 30% of their employees go, which was you know, really mm-hmm. hard to do. But... You know, if you just have to always think of, I don't want to be reliant on, you know, my suppliers, my my employees, my customers, etc. You want to have a plan in case something like this happens. Yeah, absolutely. So, what I'd leave the business owner with or the the listener with is, you know, we have a process that can help you identify how how much this the Switzerland discount will impact you. We can actually quantify that, and we also have mm. strategies that we've used with many many business owners to increase the value you know, in anticipation of selling at some point in the future. So I just think that um, if anyone, if any of the listeners are interested, we have a lot of resources that we can help them with. All right. How do they get a hold of this? So you can always call me, uh, 219-531-4941, or send me an email at tscanell at hightoweradvisors.com, and we can just schedule a free you know, build-your-exit meeting um, we could also call it the avoid the Switzerland discount meeting. 
<laughs> Either way, yeah, that, that sounds pretty good. Exactly. And that's that's a is that a, a free thing that you're offering? That's free, yes. It's basically any any give me a call and I can help you over the phone. We can schedule a meeting, Zoom, in person, whatever. But yeah, that first meeting, even the second meeting typically is always free. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and for those that are listening that have not heard podcasts before, please go back and listen to Tim's other podcasts. I mean, like you said, I think we're on number 80 or 80, above 80. Um, you'll find out that that Tim is very generous with his time uh, for all sorts of issues, for so, all sorts of topics, uh, the things that he's spoken on on previous podcasts. So Tim, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Any closing thoughts for today? Um, no, just that I do this for a living. We do it all the time. Um, it's very hard to for somebody to get really good at exiting your business because they typically do it once and you only get one shot mm-hmm. at it. So we have a ton of resources, ton of experience, and a lot of great certified advisors. So just reach out and give us a call. Fantastic. Tim, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, listener. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Wall Street Podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share this podcast with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the WealthStream Podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. 